What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency podcast hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. My name is Stephen Turnbull, founder of T5 Insurance Services in Utica, New York, joined by my co-host, Sean Fitzgerald, founder of LAF Advisors in beautiful Long Island, New York. Folks, in this podcast, we discuss all the trials and tribulations that we have experienced in our Scratch Agency journey from different backgrounds, different experiences, and different points of view. We hope to provide you with the value to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and take a leap to owning your own future. Let's get into today's show. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency podcast hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. Sean, how are we doing today, sir? We are doing awesome. It's supposed to be a nice and sunny one degree tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I got my three-quarter zip all there ready to go. go. There you go. And uh, you I'm got complaining some... to a guy who's about six hours up north, so you're probably going to have it a lot worse than me. Yeah, yeah no, we're... not right now, though. I'm in I'm in beautiful Gulf Shores, Alabama for the Ooh. month of February. Ooh. So, wow. so, so, yeah. It's a we'll to talk like, about that. Yeah. A little trip for a whole month. I think we're going to have to right. do that. But ladies right. and gentlemen, we've got a we've got a really good show for you today, and I'm excited for you to uh, meet our next guest if you haven't already. I'm going to start by just you know talking about this next guest here. I talked a lot on this podcast already uh, about my great experience at the IAOA conference in Nashville, and that was my first uh, industry conference, and it was my first industry conference as an agency owner. And the guest that we have on the podcast today, he was just. Uh, one of those guys that when you first meet him is a genuine guy, um, you know, ask the right questions where you can just tell that he truly cares and wants to wants to help and uh, be be one of those guys that, you know, be someone you need to call when when you're on that scratch agency journey. So uh, I greatly appreciate that and look forward to having him on today. But we are welcoming Brad Bolt, who is the president of AmeriGuard Insurance Agency from St. Paul, Minnesota. Brad, how are you doing today? And thank you again for taking the time to join us here on the Scratch Agency podcast. I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate those kind words. Um, been listening to you guys' show. I think you're doing an awesome job, so I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. Thanks, Brad. Well, we appreciate we appreciate you taking the time again. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to dive more into uh, Alabama. What are you doing down there? Uh, getting out of the cold and snow. <laughs> yeah, so, smart. Yeah, my wife and I started maybe you know uh, you know uh, just. You know, we we're are uh, we're basically empty nesters now, so there's nothing holding us back to the to the winter in Minnesota. So yeah. we both like to be in shorts and like to golf. So we're trying to find uh, somewhere where we can snowboard. Snowbird. Gotcha. You. You're going to be buying that second house soon, huh? I hope so. I hope so. Wait <laughs> for things to come down a little bit. Nice, Brad. Why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about your. Um about your makeup at your agency, what your what your split is, personal versus commercial, kind of how you got started, and then we'll kind of just swing it from there. Yeah, I'll just walk back to how I got into the business. I originally started as a farmer's insurance agent, um, was a farmer's agent for just shy of nine years, okay. and and uh, was on the path to growing, growing, growing. And then as anybody that's had experience with captive, you are completely tied to what they do as a company. So um, they took massive uh, rate increases and really kind of adjusted the path that they wanted to go as a company. And it affected uh, not only my income, but my morality. I mean, most of the agency force at that point was miserable. And I thought, 
I'm too young to be miserable in this business. I love this business, and there's got to be a better way. So I started searching um, for a way to go independent. I tried to uh, create my own independent agency. And at the time, I didn't know anything about aggregators or networks. Mm. I probably would have went that route um, if I had. And um, didn't have much success getting direct appointments. So I tried to find an agency to join, which I did. And I found uh, AmeriGuard Insurance Agency, which was very close. And I did have um, some other connections that were uh, there at the time. So I joined uh, AmeriGuard at the end of 2006. And, and then ended up purchasing the company in 2011. And so that was my, you know, little did I know, it was my first acquisition at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a great experience. So I've been the agency owner uh, since uh, April 1st, 2011. And, um, you know, we've grown. It's, it's been a, just a, a roller coaster of a ride ever since. Uh, we've basic almost tripled in size since um, since I took over at that time, and that is from adding on a couple really good producers, and mm-hmm. uh, just really kind of expanding what we've done as a um, uh, you know to to grow our business. So so yeah, it's been uh, it's I I wouldn't change any well no that's not true I would change a lot because I've learned a whole lot. I I wish I knew then what I knew now or know now. But um, yeah, it's been a great ride. Do, Brad, do you mind if I dig a little bit deeper? Like, how yeah. did you find um, how did you find that agency that you initially joined before you purchased them? Well, I, I initially found them because there was a farmer's agent that I knew uh, when I was an agent there that was working there. Gotcha. So I interviewed quite a, a few different ones. This particular agency just had the best split that was available, mm-hmm. uh, so that was something that was attractive. It was. Uh, and I seem to have as more. Con- I was seem-, seem that I was going to have a lot more control yeah. over my book of business, um, uh, as well as um, attain some ownership of my book. Yeah, I was going to say five. I mean, what was it? Five years, and then you then you purchased it. I mean, that's not a, that long of a time, you know. No, it was pretty pretty um, pretty short amount of time. I thought that I was prepared to be an agency owner and I soon found out that I really wasn't. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like we all do as, as we grow, uh, you know, you kind of learn on the job and, yeah. uh, take your lumps and, and, um, you know, sounds yeah, like the sure. day I'm having today. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know you've been with me the whole day, Brad. <laughs> let's dive, let's dive into that though. If we can, yeah. let's go back to 2011. Um, when you, when you, you take over the agency, um, and and let's dig a little deeper into that of the process. Did did you you know bring bring up to buy the agency? Was it offered to you? Was it something that you presented and said, "Here's the changes I wanted to make"? I mean, how did that how did that conversation look? Our agency owner and the founder, um, as I learned, he had uh, terminal cancer, hmm. and so so I started. And, and when I found that out, and and a lot of us there in the agency were, you know, thinking what what's going to happen to us when, yeah. if and when this happens, and and I thought I was a suitable candidate for it, and and so I started approaching him, which is a difficult thing to do because you're you're talking to someone about their own mortality, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And um, as I learned, there was no plan in place. And so, who you know, who knows what would happen. He, and it was almost like, you know, I was doing him a favor uh, because I was, I was solving a problem that he had. Little did I know that, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. so, and at the time, I didn't have some big grand plan of what I wanted to do at the agency. I just wanted to keep my job. Yeah. I was extremely happy working on the independent, you know, working in the independent world, and I just wanted to stay at the same desk, and I wanted everybody else to keep their jobs, and um, so that's that's where it started, and so we, um, you know, we said, well, why don't we put together a purchase agreement of some sort, and we started to develop that, and he had me basically negotiate with his. Uh, with his daughter, who was a corporate attorney, a high-ranking corporate attorney at the time, and, and really sharp. They're both really, really sharp people. And and neither of us knew how to value an agency. You know, or did we know where to go? We couldn't go to the bank. We could we couldn't seem to find anywhere of where to where to value an agency. And it's you know, as we've learned, it's not that easy now. There's you know, we know of all kinds of resources, but at the time we didn't. And, um, and so you reach out to some, you know, some of your independent agent contacts and try to get an idea. And, um, I had an idea in mind of what I thought it might be worth. And, and, you know, we met, met, it it was a very difficult process. Uh, the whole process almost fell apart the day before the closing. She had, Mm. um, uh, threatened to take it the whole deal off the table and you know it's difficult to especially when you're you're selling a business to your family member so uh it was a it was a very hard process ultimately we got it done and and um yeah it's i, I don't know how else we how else we we would have done it and at that time of course that was yeah 2011 which doesn't sound like that long ago but um to to actually put a a real value on, and then we had to figure out how or how we're going to finance it. We did basically seller seller financing, so I paid off. And oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. During that time of while we were, you know, talking about the sale of it, uh, the previous owner Ken had passed away, hmm. which made it even more difficult um, to put some, you know, some of the final pieces in place. So it's something we really had to work through, and I imagine this that sort of scenario happens quite a bit. I would I would imagine. No. So actually, here locally, and it's interesting you said that. And I mean that's uh, obviously a horrible situation to yeah. have to go through. Um, but here locally, in the last six months, it's happened at two different agencies, mm-hmm. and I I think it's uh, you see it more and more of just people don't have a plan, then they don't have it developed and. And I think um, it's an interesting opportunity for other agencies as well just to have the conversation. But I think you see it more and more and more that they just don't have a plan, um, you know, nothing. Whereas, like, someone someone asked me now, like, what's the plan with T5? It's like I'm going to grow it as big as I can and, and where, you know, we are sustainable and where we're profitable and we're having fun and we're doing good and and you know, I'm still trying to think of that end goal in my first eight months, right? Um, so I think that's just been a, a shift of the the thought of the agency owners 
Um, and obviously, you know, it's a legacy thing and a family thing that can make it difficult as well. But, yeah, it's, it's happened actually just in my little city here twice in the last six months. Yeah, and it's something I look at. So I've put, you know, I've had a perpetuation plan in place for a long time, you know, until I was introduced to, you know, Carrie Wallace, uh, where I put a valuation into my own business. And, and that's been a tremendous help. And using the resources that we have in the industry, you know, my perpetuation plan is in, in a far better place. If something happens tomorrow, there's a plan in place. Mm, which is huge. And that should be for all, that should yeah. be for all of us. Yeah. And you, you know, you don't want to I need to work that. on that myself. Yeah. Well, we all do. I mean, Again, you you have you have so many things that you're working on as a young agency. That's probably the furthest thing that, but you do at you you know you do have to plan for it. It's just like yeah. you know when you become a a parent, you you need to plan for that child, and then you need to plan well, what's going to happen if I'm not here? So it's just like putting a will together. Hard to do, but we have to do hard things. No kidding. Yeah. I, I, it's such an interesting. We're going a little off topic here, but I yeah. think it's just it's it's very interesting because it's almost like nobody wants to have the conversation, but it's it's going to happen at some point, right? Uh, we're all yeah. we all have the end date, and the business um, is going to be sold at some point. So your point, like, start now of like here's here's what I would want to have now, and update that consistently. I want to yeah. I want to try to yeah. I want to try to pivot this conversation, and staying in 2011, Sean and I actually. Um, a listener of the show uh, that we speak with on a regular basis was in an interesting situation of where he was trying to change things in the agency and different things were happening. Talk to us about that the day one that Brad Bolt is now the president of Amerigard. And were there things that, hey, I always wanted to change it this way or I want Sally to be doing things this way. And how did you approach that as now going from uh, we're coworkers to now I'm writing your paycheck? You know, how, what were, what were some lessons you approached that? Because I think for scratch agency owners uh, or just general owners that are listening, whatever that may be, we can always refine how we are doing that and, and building that rapport with our team. So from going from a coworker to the boss, what were some things you learned? What were some things you think you did well, not so well? Uh, provide some insight on that if you could. Yeah. Well, I had some very, some very clear things that needed to be cleaned up. I ha- I and one of them was a producer in our agency that was that um, did a poor job, mm. and 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 that was something that needed to be addressed. In fact, that was the very first thing that I did uh, that day. That uh, the day we closed was a Friday, and I met with this agent on Saturday morning just to say, this is what the expectations are. Um, we're, we're, we can't handle the. Uh, you know the sloppiness and the un, you know uh, uh, you know being unorganized part of it was i mean for me it was baptism by fire i was dealing with issues before i was even owner i had dealt with two eno claims mm-hmm. and this was from uh, one of these agents and and so i got to see what that was like and the scrutiny that you were under then as the owner even though before i was the owner that when when you know when when you're the owner your name's on the door so no matter how many agents you have or how many, how many people um, you have working under you, um, you're responsible. You're responsible for what goes on in that office, period. 
and and even though this is an outside agent, I had to clean up the mess, and I wasn't even owner yet, so um, I had to deal with that and say, uh, set the expectation where with how things were going to be going forward, or we were just going to have to sever the relationship. Hmm. Um, as, and as it turned out, I ended up firing him six months later. You know, the other thing, the other thing that's difficult about that piece of it, when you come into an existing culture and an existing, uh, you know, management style, and my management style was going to be much different. There was, there was no management style before. The next conversation that I had to have with a, one of our key employees is that, you know, they could no longer show up, you know, 20 to 30 minutes late every day. Yeah. You know, um, I did the math and said, this is what I would be paying for an empty chair. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, basically it was to, I, it's, you sort of come in like there's a new sheriff in town because that's what it had to be. Hindsight, the best thing would have been was I should have just let go of just about everyone and started with my own people because that's probably the only way that it was going to work. Mm. I would say it's unlikely that you're going to have an existing group that's used to being managed and used to having um, no rules into this is the way that we're going to operate. Not that it was... Not that I was coming in guns blazing and saying, this is the way we're going to do it or else, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah. But it's, it is hard for people to adapt into, into another style. I gotta, I gotta jump in on this because you're speaking my language. uh, And I've told this, I mean, you know, a little bit on this podcast, but my past life, if I call it my family agency that I came from, when I joined the agency in 2016, the newest employee before me was there for 22 years. Wow. Let me say that again. When I joined the agency in 2016, the newest employee had been there for 22 years. So son of the boss comes in and, hey, let's try this. And, you know, same as you. Not coming in guns blazing. We're changing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. But a fresh kid out of college, I don't know what I don't know at the same time. But what if we try communicating this way with the client? What if we try, you know, offering this? Mm -hmm. And not at all that it was ever, you know, rejected or um, put down or whatever, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, for lack of a better term. Right? Um, Do you have anybody still at the agency that was um, original Mm -hmm. staff? Not the original. Uh, yes, I have my my, uh, the, my bookkeeper. Okay. How many people okay. were there when you took over? Uh, there was only three. There was there was for staff. There was uh, there was there was four. Four. Okay. There was four. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you went right into that leadership role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's how. Here's how I think this this. This conversation could tie right into to providing some value for the listeners is if I'm listening to this right now and, and I'm about to hire my first person, you know, this is like perfect stuff. Because what for that bookkeeper, what would you say that you did so well that she's still with you today? You know, and I think that's the interesting part to dive deep into, because to your point, you don't want to come in guns blazing and say, OK, Brad was now sitting next to you in the desk. Well, now I'm in the back of my own office and now I'm the owner. And, you know, you, you know, this, because that's, what's going to turn people off. But if you have that good employee, that seems like the bookkeeper that's still been with you, 
you know, what are some things that you did in your leadership practice that uh, would lead them to, you know, still be with you today? What do you, what do you think those would be? Uh, I think it was just, I think it was just open communication. And, and, and if, and if anything, you know, her role, uh, you know, didn't change her role probably changed the least out of, out of anyone's because, you know, she kind of ran her own department and, and, and no, it was just, there was just, um, I, 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 I think it was just open communication and, and um, learning and allowing her to do her job and not micromanaging what she was yeah. what she was going to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. But Brad, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing now? Are you more of because um, we talked about this on the last podcast a little bit? Are you more just in a leadership role right now? Or are you producing yourself still? What does that look like? I, I'm still doing a little bit of both. Okay. I am as far as I am primarily in a leadership role. Okay. And then, and then I, I almost, I pretty much got myself out of the production role altogether. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the goal for, you know, for most of us is going to be to kind of work ourselves out of a job. And, mm-hmm. and I did a, I did a good job of that, I think. And then I found that I nice. had actually some time on my hands and I enjoy producing. Yeah. You know, so, so I do, I do a little bit of commercial producing and I do a little bit of high value client producing. Very nice. And so, how many producers do you have now? I have, I have eight. You have eight. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How, how, how are you finding these producers? I'm. I, well, now I'm not. I'm. I'm not actively looking. Okay. Um, you know, it's just mo- most of we they've been with us for, uh, I mean, quite a few years. Yeah. So, and I, I'm honestly not looking to add any more producers. You know, at this time, because you know, every you, you know, from talking to people. Um, all, all of our agencies are run a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, the agents, the um, agency, agency that I took over, um, how it was set up was that basically these are, you know, independent contractors. So I'm almost gotcha. like my own small little network. Um, so so the eight eight producers are essentially. They're independent contractor, independent agents that just have mm-hmm. an exclusive agreement with Amerigard. So has it always gotcha. been that way, or was that a trial and tribulation that it, you kind of came to that destination? It's always been that way, and um, and and I did, I did make a couple attempts to adjust the model. I do have one employee that's strictly a producer. He handles all my personal line stuff, mm. and I did try to adjust the the model to having employee producers and and you know and that uh, that they strictly produce and the agency uh, does this uh, customer support and on the the three times that that I tried that model the agent it just didn't just didn't turn out to be a good fit okay. so it never took off so so the the independent contractors that you have do they do they have like their own agent like brand and agency so to speak and they're just sub producers for you or it, they're just you know yeah, on m- as individuals yeah uh, most uh six of them work under the amerigard brand okay and then there are two that that you know, like to use their own name gotcha um and they're considered sub producers yeah okay so let's uh let's stay in 2011 here because i think you know not you didn't start from scratch, but no, 
you had the opportunity to purchase an existing book of business and make some real changes that we've talked about, right, that you believed were the best changes for the company. And um, if you had to look back in 2011, is there anything that stick out sticks out to you that, you know, you would do differently immediately? Is there one, the one thing that in your first year of owning your business or whatever it is that you would do differently that you can give to these scratch agents to maybe not make the same mistake? Well, I would I would have definitely, I think num- number one is I would have started acting like a business owner. And, you know, when I, I, I took over the agency, even for a long time, I was still acting as, the, as an insurance agent. I was acting as an insurance agent that owned an agency. And it took me a long time to to act as a business owner and, and to take a step back and and to look at how the the company is run as a whole, and that stunted my growth, hmm. really. And um, that's that was one of you know that was one of my biggest mistakes. Another another one was it took me a long time to let go of of things. And I was trying to take on, I was, you know, we all try to, you know, in the beginning you wear too many hats because you have to. And then you have to figure out which hat you can take off and maybe what your, what your weakest, uh, you know, point is. I had a hard time letting go even for some of my service, servicing staff. I was still too involved when I should have been delegating and allowing them mm-hmm. to handle it and really failing to realize that if they weren't the right person, then I needed to find somebody that was the right person to, to fill that role. So, um, that was, but without, without question, it was acting as a business owner and, and, yeah. and viewing my agency as a, as a business rather than working, working in it as an insurance agent. I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I just brought on a, a producer, uh, awesome guy, but yeah, I made. I'm getting better at it, but um, in the beginning, like you know, I get a lead in for myself, and I just want to work the lead, like you said. You just want to be the insurance agent, right? But I'm like, oh crap! I I should send this to you know, I should send this to Ryan in my office. He can handle it, and if he has any hiccups, it'll be a great you know training opportunity. So yeah, that's I am trying to push and delegate. Even my VA, I I have a, a VE VA, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. She is absolutely awesome, and you know, I could definitely push her more stuff. You know, and I've gotten better at pushing her more stuff. But it's just something like, unless you're conscious and thinking of it, like I, I didn't even realize. And then, like a few weeks ago, I'm like, oh, but like, why am I not sending this to Anna? And then, why am I not sending that to Anna? Why am I not sending this to Anna? And then, before you know it, yeah. you have like ten different things you should have been delegating. So, no, I think that is a a good thing to definitely be conscious of and. Maybe even if you have to write it down when something comes up that you can delegate and just kind of have a list. Like that's what I had to do for myself is make a list of what I could delegate. And that helped me a lot. Yeah. You know, and circling back to, to uh, Stephen's question, the other, the other piece of it, which comes up time and time again when I'm talking mm-hmm. to other agency owners is setting a process, right? Yeah, I know we've, totally. we've heard it so many times. When I took over in 2011, zero process, zero written process, or mm. zero. Um, this is how we're going to handle it. Yeah, I had in my mind how I wanted things to go, 
and I did a very poor job of explaining how we're, how things should go or setting the precedent. It was just, you know, Lucy's gonna Lucy handles it this way, and it seems to be getting done, so it's fine. And yeah, and uh, you know, Rhonda's doing it this way, and it seems to be going fine, so I'm just gonna leave it alone. And and I waited way too long to establish the way that that Amerigard should do it, and to have yeah. a written process. It always comes back to processes and, and procedures. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah, and so how how does that how does that look now in Amerigard and what was really the turning point for that? It, the the turning point and I know you guys have made reference to it and and I've talked about it on a pod, podcast before. For for me the turning point was being exposed to the IAOA group. Mm. And and that's just a group of our peers, right? So it's yeah. um you know that's a group that was you know, established, uh, you know, for us to collaborate together. And, and I think that changed my whole direction of, of where I was going by just listening to our peers and taking a little bit from here and a little bit from here. And, and, um, you know, you can run a whole agency, you know, based on that Facebook group. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. So that was the, that was the, that was honestly the single the single turning point being exposed to this group of of other uh, you know our other professionals. Yeah, I've told Stephen that too a bunch of times on this podcast. That when I opened up my own agency, that's one of the goals I made for myself is to connect with more people within the industry, and that's helped my business arguably more than anything. And this podcast is going to, I mean, this podcast yeah. is for, forcing, is going to force you to, you know, connect with these other professionals and, and you're going to learn and you're going to be inspired. And, and, um, you know, that's, it's like forcing you to network with, with, with someone else, you know, in, in the, in the industry and, and you're going to learn from it. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I talk about that a lot, but my biggest struggle as being a scratch agency uh, right now is not having the team and uh, not having Lucy to high five on a big account or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I, I've said it here, I've said it here all the time. Like Sean's become exactly that for me. Him and I probably call each other eight times a day. Um, <laughs> you know, and there's other there's other people that I can reach out to about. Hey, I, I'm 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 battling with this. Is this, have you ever heard anything about this? Like that is priceless and i've had no experience in any other industry uh but it's just still amazing to me from yeah the second i started at ioa and, and uh may at the the event uh, no no it wasn't may when was that october i started the business october. in may yeah in october um you know it was like everybody hey when you in the in the and it was hey how long have you been an owner oh four months and it was immediately and i've said this i know i've said it before on the show but it was immediately what can i do to help you here's yeah. my card reach out just like that's how brad and i met um yeah so you know it's it's uh it's amazing let's uh let's dive into one thing i want to talk about yeah is here we are you're in alabama for a month as an agency owner that's awesome you have yeah. the ability to do that, right? Yes. Talk to us. You know, talk to us how that works so well. You know, are you are you working every day from Alabama? Do you just have the team set up so well that everything is just clicking along? I mean, you talk about removing yourself from an insurance agent to an owner. 
seems like if we're spending a month in Alabama, you're doing a pretty good job at that, which is fantastic. So talk to people who maybe like Stephen Turnbull here, who's like, man, I can't wait to do that someday. Uh, <laughs> about you know how you maybe how how that works for you is running the business, you know, remotely and and not being there with the team or virtually or whatever that is. Yeah, a huge part is the team and having trust in your team and building a good team. You know, I made referenced you know in the beginning. Um, you know, I had a team that, you know, it just, it wasn't my team is what it was. Yeah. I've been able to build a team, um, have a, a great group that I trust. And, you know, with our technology, you know, we are, we are connected. We, we communicate through Slack. Um, you know, they, the team handles 98% of the work that comes in and I'm here to support them, answer the questions, you know, put out the, you know, the major fires when they come through. So, so that is the, the luxury of, you know, of, of building, you know, of, of building a good group is that you, you can get away. You don't have to look over their, your shoulder, their, their shoulder, um, they are they are going to get the job done, and they have. So this it's definitely reassuring. I wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't we you know you're and we talk about scaling. You're you're not going to scale without building without building a team. Totally. So totally. What, what Sean has talked a little bit about, he is going through it right now, and part of it is he's learning to go through it. Right. There's only one way through. No. Yeah. And. And and Stephen, your your you know your time will come you know for that. I heard you guys on your most recent you know podcast, and you know you you reference that you're a little bit impatient, you know just something I I would add, and to anybody else that's listening, you got to do it when you're ready. You know mm. we're we're all on our own journey here. Yeah. You know just because you see Sean doing it, or you see somebody like Billy Wagner that does this, and you know all these other guys that have this, and they some guy some guys that grow real fast, and they're doing this premium. Hey, you know that's their journey. You know your your day will your day will come, and you have to you know whatever's going to make sense for you. You know what what Stephen might have to take home to support his family might be different than what Sean has to take home. It's different. So totally, we've heard it time and time again. Don't compare yourself to to oh, someone man. else. You stay on your path. And, and, you know, your time will go. It's a marathon. Yep. You know, it's a marathon. You run your race. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, scream, let's scream that for the people in the back, Brad, because I needed to hear it about maybe six months ago. <laughs> Do not compare yourself to others because it's very easy to get on the Facebook groups and see, hey, when did you hire your first employee when I was at 500 in premium? Well, I waited until I was in $3 million in premium. And I can't even remember the numbers, not that they matter, but Sean and I recently shared that with each other of the premium volume in our agencies versus the amount of policies. And it was a staggering difference, mm. I think, to the fact yeah. of I had such a lower amount of premium for more policies than Sean did per policy or something something along those lines. but yeah. And he's in a, a completely different market. We're in the same state, six hours away, but he's in a completely different market. Yeah. You know, the average homeowners is, is a lot more down there than it is up here, vice versa, comparing yourself to someone like me and Taylor Garcia out in California. Those homeowner prices are way different than central New York, right? Yeah. You know, 
be careful about that rat race of oh well you should hire your first your first uh, VA or your first service person at a million premium. I yeah, mean, I and that, echo that. Yeah, and not even and not even that. Also, too, you never know if the you know that person took out a loan if they have yeah. a, oh, a significant right. other that's the breadwinner. Correct. It could be a million different things. Correct. Yep. So yeah. Don't even 100%. go down that wormhole. Yep. Yeah. So, Brad, I'm going to hit you with our last question here, and I want you to imagine something with me. We're down in Alabama. We just got off the golf course, and you wake up the next morning, and your challenge was starting a scratch agency. What is one thing that you would do differently in your business? And it's not return to the golf course and just play another round. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I would do differently... Boy, that's a tough one. Um, so I, I, if I want to call myself a success, I, you know, I was, a, I was, and I'm a worker. So um, when I started, I mean, I just hit the pavement. It was a pure numbers game. And I was going to do whatever it took to succeed. So um, at that time, whether it was, cold calling um, or, you know, working internet leads, um, you know, I mean, I, I would, I would make phone calls every single night and Saturday morning, you know, to succeed. Now it would be find ways to work um, smarter and not harder. And I think a good piece of that is to something I would do differently is to establish better relationships. Um, I would establish better relationships with referral partners, such as loan officers, mm-hmm. with financial uh, professionals, and in other centers of influence in the community. And when I say that, you know, something I've, I've learned later is I, you know, I got involved with the Chamber of Commerce. And all these are long plays. You know, even the loan officers right now, the, you know, the housing market is not the hottest, you know, that it's been, but it's going to come around. But if you establish these relationships, when it does, you're going to have a referral network and, and financial professionals, which I, you know, just got involved with in recent years. I mean, that. If if you're on the if if you're a personalized producer, that's your, that should be your target market. Um, you know these are these are people that are coming to you that need their assets protected, and so you're finding that solution. You're not coming to them to say, "Hey, I can get you car insurance for you know twenty percent less." You're coming to them with value, and and so that is a it was a huge market. So to answer your question, it would be to establish established relationships, which Stephen, you should be grinning over there because that's something you are constantly beating the drum of, of, you know, what you're doing to grow a business. And in the long run, that is going to work out very well. Totally agree with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't agree more. I mean, it's all about relationships and doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting. We talk about this a lot about how many different ways there are to skin the cat and Sean and I's friendship over the last couple of months have challenged each other to think differently about how we get business and how we operate our our, our businesses. Um, so, you know, 
just do the right thing, make the relationship, show your value uh, to your point, and uh, you're off to the races. But, Brad, man, we we really appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us. Really enjoyed this discussion. Uh, why don't you tell everybody listening how they can get in touch with you. Also, pitch the podcast. You've got a killer podcast out there. Uh, tell them how they can listen to that because uh, you do an amazing job bringing on some great people. I enjoy listening to that every week as well. So uh, talk yeah, about how you. they can get in touch with you. Um, in touch with me, uh, LinkedIn is is a great way. Um, I'm I'm on there quite a bit, and you can message me on LinkedIn, um, and and you can email me, which uh, which is b bolt b b o l d t at americard a m e r i dash guard g u a r d dot com. Uh, those are the two best ways. And uh, yeah, thanks for pitching the podcast. I started my own podcast. Um, it's been about seven months now and the premise of the podcast is is geared towards scratch agents and the the reason behind that is um you know i feel like i made every mistake in the book um being an agency owner and and so i've learned a thing or two and i'm hoping to develop a little better roadmap you know for those that are going through through that process so i try to uh, to gear most of my podcasts around those type of questions you know what your challenges are, what what uh, mistakes agents have made, uh, what they would do differently, advice they have. So it's a, it's a lot of fun connecting with uh, with uh, with our other agents out there. It sounds very similar to another podcast I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's different. I mean, you guys, and like I said, I'm so happy you guys are doing this. I think you're doing a great job. I think you're putting just fantastic content. So thanks, uh, bro. I, I enjoy listening to it every week. Yeah, we appreciate it. And I'll just say this because I've said it before. Everything that you're seeing on social media has nothing to do with me. Sean Fitzgerald is pumping all of that out, so he deserves all the credit because uh, it's impressive with all the editing and all the work he does. So, Sean, I appreciate all the work you're doing on that front. Brad, thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you. Hopefully we'll see you in Chicago at the uh, IAOA, right? I'll be there. I'll awesome. be there. We're gonna, I'm going I'm to go, go east, stop in JFK, pick up Sean, and then we're going to head over. So. I'm dragging Sean there this year. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Everybody, that is another episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Do us a favor. Like the show, share the show, and subscribe. Most importantly, remember to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and own your own future. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening or watching that episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. We hope to see you next time. If you have any questions, you could reach out to myself or Steven on Instagram or LinkedIn, and we'll see you next week.